0: Hey, everyone. It's another week of Find Your Film. I, my, I am Greg Srizavasti. My head is spinning because I was just talking to my compadres, my better halves is eric holmes aka disappointing old eric and bruce perky aka psycho perkman perkman we were talking about all the movies that we are covering this week so i am a bit scatterbrained because we have a lot of things a lot of stuff to get to psycho perkman bruce perky that psycho has is, has nothing to do with the alfred hitchcock movie but it has to do with one of the movies you saw this week how was the last week of movie watching for you mr bruce perky Good, good.
1: I feel like I have some really fun and different recommendations. So, it was a productive week, I would say.
0: Yeah, and Eric, you have you have a lot of, you've, you actually you you're basically watching This is the one week you've actually really overprepared. You have a lot of movies that you probably aren't even going to you know talk about in the show, right? It's
2: you have a lot of spillover. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, one of them from today that I'm going to talk about today was Spillover from last week. So, you know, the, the, right. these things build up sometimes. And uh, I, I I would say this was a pretty good week because even the movies I didn't like this week are still good movies, just not-for-me movies, if okay. that makes sense. Oh. So, maybe. I, I I don't think I've seen one bad movie this week. We'll, we'll but, say that. I will say this. I... Why do you why do you
0: call yourself disappointing old Eric I can get the old thing because we're sort of almost the same age why why are you disappointing because Bruce and I have talked behind your back how disappointing
2: you are how did you know that, that you're disappointing Eric. I I can read eyes. I read your eyes and they tell me no lies. Tell you no lies. You look like you're hungry for fries. (laughs) Yeah, you can.
0: Well, you're looking at my stomach now because I definitely am hungry for fries. I need to lose about 40 to 50 pounds. I'm a very big little man. So we have a lot of films to get to. A lot of main featured films. Yeah, Bruce, you laugh, but that's unfortunately in my case, that is the truth. The first film we're going to talk about. Oh, you know what? Before we get to that, before we get to our main featured film, last week we covered, we did a director spotlight on this experimental filmmaker, Maya Darren. Check it out on our podcast feed next week. I am so excited. It is Bruce Perky's turn. Bruce, can you tease our listeners? What have you in in store and why was this your pick for the director spotlight for next week? All right, well. I don't think I know how to say his name.
1: It's Jacques Turner, Turner. Turner, How do you say it? I say (laughs) Jacques Turner. And sometimes they call him Jack Turner to really Americanize him. (laughs) But uh, I knew him from cat people and uh, a personal favorite of mine called Curse of the Demon, AKA Night of the Demon. But I thought, hey, I don't know much about him otherwise as a director. And I saw, if you go to his IMDb, One of his top picks is, I guess, a favorite noir film. And I thought, hey, I bet Mr. Greg knows something about this noir film. So I thought, hey, I'll pick a noir film of his I've never seen. I don't know much about the director himself. And I'll pick the later horror noir film that he did, not Cat People, because I think less people have seen Night or Curse of the Demon. And I thought that'd be a great thing to explore and find out more about this guy. You know what, the Cat People, I always thought that was Dal Luton who did that. I'm pretty sure, yeah, Val Luton. See, I think Val Luton and him teamed up a bunch.
0: Yeah, that's why I always got all of that stuff mixed up. Eric
2: Holmes, were you ever a fan of Val Luton or, more importantly, Jacques Tourneur? I've heard heard of neither of them, but wasn't wasn't there two Cat Peoples? two cat persons or yeah
1: the later cat person cat people was in the 80s starring nastasia kinski and malcolm right. mcdowell and a david bowie soundtrack and
0: i think it was directed by
1: yes paul schrader 100 uh, percent correct uh,
0: bruce perky right. directed by paul schrader cat people and yes bruce perky is right jacques turner directed the 1942 film i always trust your instincts over mine and knowledge over mine bruce perky Cat People 1942, Jacques Turner. I, again, maybe you're right. Va, I think you're right. Val Luton and Turner were considered. I always got those filmmakers confused, but Eric Holmes, are you excited to see Out of the Past? Probably one of the most heralded
2: film noirs of all time. Did you know that? Yes. Yes, I am. And actually, I kind of, that probably wouldn't be a good idea to revisit Cat People. I know I've seen one of the two of them, but I don't remember it at all. So yeah, this will be fun. I'll, I'll, I'll watch the one that the, I guess it's the older one.
1: Oh, for sure. and really really quick, so if you're doing I've got physical media, you can't see it all you audio people. If you're doing the Curse of the Demon or Night of the Demon, you can do either one, but just be hmm. aware that Night of the Demon is 96 minutes and Curse of the Demon is 82 minutes. So oh, wow. okay, One's very good. a British cut and one's an American cut, so I would say if you can find the 96 minute version of this in some place or another, I would opt for that.
2: And if you watch the 96 minute one backwards, it becomes 69 minutes. So that's Correct. the ideal way to watch it. Well, it's demonic, so you have to. I heard everything. So I, I, I
0: feel so bad dead. that you, Paul is dead. <laughs> I am disgusted that that joke that you keep on saying every, once, maybe every other podcast with that number, Eric Holmes. It never gets old. It says a lot about me as a human being. I okay. I and last. Oh. Uh Bruce, yes, yes, One sir. more little trivia piece, and I'll let
1: you, let's go on with the show. No, I was gonna he, throw in a little
0: trivia piece, but I'm gonna go right after you, Bruce, and then we'll get know,
1: <laughs> If you know the song at the beginning of Rocky Horror Picture Show, science fiction double feature, he men- mentions this song this movie, Night of the Demon, Curse of the Demon, because he talks about Dana Andrews has has runes give him or prunes, give him the runes, is how they say it. So
0: that is what this is about. Yes. Oh, very cool. And hopefully, I am hoping, I am praying. I, Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky, they have full, not only do they have full-time jobs, for some reason, they have—they manage to watch more movies than I do on any given week. They fill their nights and days up with watching movies. I'm, I'm pleading for both of them. And you, dear listener, if you're going to get on this Jacques Tourneur trip with us next week for the research, check out the 1956 film, Nightfall again, directed by Jacques Tourneur, starring Aldo Ray and Anne Bancroft from *The Graduate*. Little Aldo Ray story. Before we get to the, the final feature, years ago when I did the True Romance junket, Chris Walken is in front of me. I'm with my a couple of uh, We were sitting on we were sitting in chairs. Uh, Chris Walken was right across on a sofa, and it, 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 someone asked him about like what kind of movies did you love when you were growing up as a kid and he says well i don't i can't do a chris Walken impersonation i'm sure try try no Even no no it's bad just try I, uh, okay so anyways he he was just talking and my mic was in front of him and one of my buddies we i was right next to my buddy and he and he says well i to tell you the truth i'm not. Gonna, i'm 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 not going to try it i love I, so I loved i love i loved army movies and i and he said something like i also love the films of aldo Ray. and the way he said aldo Ray, aldo Ray, in front of us, me and my buddy started joshing each other and laughing and sm- no, smirking and smiling. And then when we look straight back, Walken was dead eyeing both of us, and I <laughs> was in shock. I was in shock. I and unfortunately, he would be he would dead eye me more now today because the only film of Aldo Ray that I know of is this 1956 film called Nightfall. Per Eric Holmes's own aesthetic, you can actually find Nightfall. Available currently as of this recording, free on YouTube. Okay, so that's really cool. I love this movie. Great noir. Now we're gonna get to our main feature, one of our main features, the dig.
3: I was reading Howard Carter's account of his excavation of the tomb of Tutankhamun. Oh. He stood at the threshold of the burial chamber, the first man to do so for 3,000 years, and he saw finger marks. Still on the paint. He say time lost its meaning. It occurs to me that y- you might unearth human remains. Yeah, that's possible. We're digging down to meet the dead. Disinterring them, in fact. Well there's always coroner's inquests when remains are found. The dead still get that courtesy, no matter how many centuries they've lain.
0: The Dig is a movie I was really excited about. It stars Carrie Mulligan. Eric Holmes will have a lot to say about uh, Carrie Mulligan in this episode. It's directed by Simon Stone. The plot line is, As World War II looms, a wealthy widow hires an amateur archaeologist to excavate the burial mounds on her estate. When they make a historic discovery, the echoes of Britain's past resonate in the face of its uncertain future. The Wealthy Widow is played by Carrie Mulligan. The archaeologist, a.k.a. basically he's known in this movie as The Excavator. I believe his name is Basil Brown. is played by Ray Fiennes. Okay, so I thoroughly love, love, love this movie. There's a minor complaint that I'm going to get to, but this minor complaint does not dissuade me from highly recommending this movie. My only qualm, if you're going to watch this on, you know, if you're going to check this out on Netflix when it comes out on January 29th, I would say be in sort of a contemplative, meditative state because it does have a methodical, slow, introspective pace. That's my only thing. Would love to hear. Bruce, first of all, what did you think overall of the dig? I think I almost exactly agree with your review on a
1: cinematic Patreon feed that you put up recently. Oh, just to you. plug yourself. <laughs> thank uh, you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I might be um a smidge lower, but we're pretty much right in the same ballpark. The only thing that kind of bugged me about this was the kind of additional little kind of love story that's put in there, which is once again, isn't bad, but it seems sort of extraneous to the story. It's almost like they didn't trust the main two characters to be enough. For the audience, which I think they are, I think the yes. best way tell, the best way to me to to tell people if you'll like this movie or not, because some people won't. This will not be their vibe. And I think that if if you don't like the like the better Merchant Ivory, you don't like the better Masterpiece Theater kind of outings, then this might not be yours because it's it's very traditional in that sense. It's not experimental in the way it's presented. It's it's just a a good story, well told, a real story, which will if you're enjoying it, will want make you want to go and find out about the reality of the situation which i did and i think you did as well sutton who and all that good stuff sutton who is the dig that this is based on but i mean i think if you like that you like period pieces you like period pieces told in a straightforward manner with really excellent acting especially by ray fines and by um mulligan Mulligan. yeah sorry my brain was freezing there those two are, are are great so good and they're enough for this movie, and so eh, the other stuff is fine. But it just—it's just—it's just a detour every five minutes or so in the last half of the movie. You just don't need so. And
0: and it's one of those weird things, Bruce. Is the subplot? It stars. It features Lily James and Johnny Flynn, both in their rights, very good actors, and they're good in this movie. Yeah, but it's that could have been an entirely different movie. Yes, exactly. And again, it's weird because. I'm I'm one of those guys. I I'm I'm rotund. I I like double uh, double, you know, a lot of sodium and a lot of sweets. But for some reason, the dig is the way it's presented. It didn't need all that sweetener to it. Didn't need it, but that did not dissuade my overall love for the dig. Eric Holmes, wondering what you're thinking. Maybe do you sort of disagree or agree with me and Bruce on this uh, regarding
2: the dig? Uh, I kind of I'm kind of in Bruce's camp. I I do dig this movie. Hey, Um, (laughs) this is uh, this is a good example of a movie that this is not a movie for me, but um, there are people that I know that this movie is absolutely for. And if uh, they were to say, hey, Eric, I'm about to watch the dig, I'd sit down and watch it with them because it's not it's not at all a bad movie. It's just not something I normally gravitate for. For pretty much all the reasons Bruce Bruce explained. On top of that, like the just the whole period piece drama is not my cup of tea at all. Really, uh, there's only a, a small handful of movies that fall under that that I do like. Phantom Thread being one of them. But uh, yeah, the dig it's it's not at all a bad movie. It's just yeah, it was just kind of not for me. But I think for the people that do dig those type of dig those type <laughs> of movies, this is this is probably get pretty high marks from them. I imagine yeah I, i'm one of those people
0: and i think one of the things i was able i can't believe it, one of the things i was able to unearth from this from this film was it didn't get when it could have gone sorry bruce bruce is just gonna yeah, yeah he just, he's not happy but sorry about the yeah well yeah i see i was uh yeah anyway i, I was gonna put some more dirt references but forget it you know it could have gotten really sappy in certain moments because this movie without giving too much away it deals with you're you're looking into the past when you're when you're digging and you're trying to find the secrets and remnants and treasures of the past but it's also a theme on our present day mortality and what we leave for the people in the future so it's very what what is it temporal or i don't know it's basically past present future all commingling in this movie and under lesser hands it could have gone really really syrupy and it I think it's straight away from that Bruce do you agree with that it sort of
1: yeah I would say if it got anywhere towards it a little bit there's and I know there's a scene that you liked towards the very end kind of a culminating emotional scene that teeters on that because it teeters on a little bit of writery writerly drama that you kind of are feeling like "Eh, probably didn't occur quite like that that's a little bit perfect but it still worked but I say overall and and to kind of go to to Eric again, for those who are kind of like, you know, those kind of period pieces aren't really their thing. I think one thing this really has is the whole historical like excavation and artifact side of things. And I think that some people might be drawn into that side of it, even if they're not so much into the uh, the kind of the more traditional period piece stuff. Because I know myself, as I started watching it, I immediately started searching up and found photos of the real dig. And I was quite impressed by how spot on they did it. Like if you look at the pictures from the actual dig versus what they actually show in this movie, it's very, very close. So little things like that make you, I I guess it gives it an air of, I don't know, an air of legitimacy to everything else. It kind of gives you extra weight behind that. And you're willing to go with certain things. And then when you see certain things like the romance, you're like, well, maybe that did happen. I don't know. You know, (laughs) although I don't think it did. But, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but overall, I think that people could really find some value here for
3: sure. What are they? Would you hazard a guess? Burial mounds, I expect. We're standing in someone's graveyard, I reckon. Viking? Oh, maybe older. Apparently local girls used to lie down on them in the hope of falling pregnant. I've <laughs> well, heard plenty of legends. Is that what you want to dig, Mrs. Pretty? Tales of buried treasure? My interest in archaeology began like yours when I was scarcely old enough to hold a trowel. My childhood home was built on a Cistercian convent. I helped my father excavate the apse. That speaks, doesn't it? The past.
0: The Dig, it's in, it's currently playing actually in select theaters, but it hits Netflix January 29th. Eric Holmes and Bruce, I this is a stupid question. But after watching The Dig, the one thing I realized, Ray finds very good in this movie. I love Carrie Mulligan's performance in this movie. Actually, I wish you, you know, I, I wish they could have thrown away some of that subplot. So all of that 20 minutes could have been given to Carrie and Ray for however you wanted to do it. But no, now, away from that right now. But I, I realized after watching The Dig, I still have not seen a ton of Carrie Mulligan films. Have both of you seen, uh, you know, or. Is that one of the things? Is it is this a blind spot for both of you regarding Carrie Mulligan? Because I I'm thinking, oh my God, she's been in so many films I haven't seen. I started watching Ten Minutes of Wildlife from a couple of years ago, and that movie looks amazing. So I'm thinking maybe I'm I was clueless on how amazing Carrie Mulligan is. How about you
2: guys on, on that? On yeah, that I'm I'm going through uh, IMDB right here. Uh, Cause I, I would say like the only one I could think of is drive. And then the yeah. one I'll talk about later on, but uh, let's yeah, see. Far, far from far the Madden from the, crowd. Nope, haven't seen that. I Lewin Davis. Great Gatsby. Wasn't great, but I saw it. Shame, drive. Never let me go. That was a good one. Wolf she's Wall Street, she's, she's money great. Never Sleep. I yeah. slept right through that. So I am not money. <laughs> uh, ooh, she was in public enemies. That was a good one. <laughs> according to not other people but yeah I, apparently i have seen I'm, I'm, I'm glad i looked it up because apparently i have seen a lot of carrie mulligan movies but yeah, yeah I, when you asked my first thought was well i saw drive and that was pretty much it but
0: she was great in shame yeah like you were saying bruce yeah yeah so you Same. there's some about like four maybe four movies of hers i've seen something like that wow yeah. amazing carrie mulligan national treasure so I that had nothing to do with the Nicolas Cage movie. Okay, so that's the dig. All all solid recommendations for from, from all of us. I, I'm I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. The next one, you know what? Let's go because I want to wrap it up. I want to wrap up our main reviews with with a, a psycho type of uh discussion. So let's go with this movie called Beginning. Okay, I I uh beginning, I don't I don't know how to start with this movie. This okay. I will start with this, and I, I mean this in the. Okay, I know Eric. how to start. I know
2: how to start with this movie because I wrote it. <laughs> oh, okay, you wrote it. You okay? <laughs> if, if you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Yes.
0: Yes. You. You. Yes.
2: Okay. <laughs> this yeah. movie, This movie yes. scared the shit out of me. That opening scene was almost beat for beat. The opening to the script I wrote. Sure. Yes. Yes. The, the opening good. in the church with the, the the seven minute sermon about Abraham and Eli. I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Our vampires going to show up. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, no. Eric
0: is referencing his really wonderful script that he, he actually sent to us months ago. And he's actually starting to, I think it's going to shoot you're gonna you eventually gonna have a shoot date we love the script both me and bruce and have yeah. you shown it to anderson cowan as well yeah i'm sure yeah. He, okay so we all love the script i, I thought so. he'd hate
2: it but he he kind of dug it so because yeah. you know it's not it's not his cup of tea vampires action or yeah.
0: whatever but <laughs> yeah so it has, it has some really good stuff in in and a very great religion thematic in your story but no this actually has, a, actually, regarding beginning, has religion as part of its thematic fabric. Here's, a, here's the thing. In a sleepy provincial town, a Jehovah Witness community is attacked by an extremist group in the midst of this conflict. The familiar world of Yana, the wife of the community leader. So it centers on Yana, the wife of the community, community leader. What happens in the church is there's a static shot. We are introduced in the movie where we see people entering a church. There's no There's no... How would you say it? It's it's there's one that's a long take, but you don't see the camera move. There's no camera fluidity in this movie, and that's going yeah, to be it's locked down. It's a lockdown. The, this movie is a lockdown narrative. So whatever you see in the frame, the frame's not gonna move. Only the things, people, sounds, noises, actions maybe occurring off camera, the frame remains the same. Okay. So in, at the beginning of this movie, people are walking into a church, they're starting, the person starting a sermon. There's several, there's several kids who are being punished. They're staring at the wall they're, for their punishment. And you think everything, you think, wow, first of all, you're thinking, when is the camera going to move? It's been four or five minutes. I'm getting a little bit restless. And then someone throws a firebomb. Fire in the church. Eric, you were worried about it might be a vamp- vampire film. What did you think of the first five or six minutes? Were you pumped up as soon as the firebomb hit or were you saying, uh-oh, I'm going to be, this is going to be how the movie,
2: this well, is the, the movie. The the beginning is really difficult for me to review because I, the only <laughs> thing I was thinking was, I fucking wrote this goddamn thing and to rewrite the whole thing. So that was just, that was the only thing going in my mind. And then but I mean, it was a cool shot. And then the fire thing happened, and just the way they, and the, the camera just stays there as the place is burning, as the people are still in trying to break their way out. And like, it was a really cool setup shot. I hope the fuck it was safe because, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, they, like the the first, so the first fire thing that goes in, it just kind of stays in one spot. So maybe they had like fireproof uh, uh, carpet or something. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how they did it, but the, yeah, the first shot was really good. And then the rest of the movie happened. <laughs> yes. Go for it. No holds barred. Let's hear it. And, uh, it, it. and we'll talk a little bit about this when Bruce gets into a ghost story. Because it's very similar in the way that it's shot. It's just a shot of the husband and wife. They, they put the kid to sleep. And the husband and wife are talking for about 15 minutes. And the camera just stays on them. And then they go to the next shot. And it, it, can you indulge me for a second? Yes. This is not going to work for our audio listeners but perhaps Bruce might be able to cut this out and put it on Rustemeyer, and you can watch it there. Let me uh, let me see if I can act out a piece of this movie for you. Indulge me. This will take a second, and I apologize in advance. No. <laughs> oh, boy, this is performance theater right. from Eric Should we Holmes, narrate folks?
1: it? <laughs> yeah. Audio, don't Just audio people. Yes, yeah, don't worry. Oh, he's walking into the room. He's got he's his watching. arms crossed. Oh, he's, he looks like he's pensive. He's he's Oh, he's worrying about something. He's just standing there. <laughs> oh, We're just watching God. him stand there and think. Uh, he's thinking. I'm starting to look at the posters behind him because those are kind of interesting. He's got Sicario See, there.
0: You, you notice things in the frame, Bruce. That's what you're doing. Yeah. See, look. He's got
1: a painting I know he made himself that
0: it, he, he drew. The movie's letting you participate. Oh, oh he it. sees
1: the camera or he sees us, the viewer. <laughs> and... And that's the it.
2: short version of these scenes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> can I can I tell the listeners what you told me on the in our message? Can I say what? you, what you Yeah, you yeah, told go ahead. Me? Okay, so I was ready to watch it, and in the morning, I saw it this morning, and Eric Holmes messaged me on Facebook, and he said, or maybe he didn't message me immediately. He messaged, This is a message that he probably left early in the morning when he did see it. He said, "This movie is like watching paint dry." That is an accurate assessment of beginning by the way, which is getting a ton of great reviews. It is, quote, the official Georgian entry for Best International Feature for the 93rd Academy Awards. This is a foreign language film. It is like watching paint dry. Watching paint dry, if done correctly, can work, I think. Well, what, what should I know? My hands are soft. I don't know anything about labor, but I, I'd like to think that this movie absolutely struck me in the right direction. It is slow. It will infuriate a lot of people that the camera is locked. And like by the way, good performance Eric Holmes. There is going I'm to be a hell of an actor. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are, sir. It, it, it's one of those things where I don't know. I highly recommend this movie for people who want to challenge themselves as cinephiles to see a different to sort of open up their own toolbox, their palette, expand their palette and see if a movie like beginning can rouse them into a different direction or maybe make them realize I just wasted 130 minutes of my bleeping life. I think it's worth the risk because it can really challenge you as a viewer as as a movie goer. Do you see Eric do you see any value in watching beginning yourself and I'd like to see you were talking about paint dry. Was this even a worthwhile
2: experience for you in general? Um it can't it can be. And and I mentioned earlier I didn't see any bad movies this week. And this is certainly not a bad movie. It's just you have to be like like uh, watching a jalo, you have to be in that mind frame to watch something like that. This movie is very specific in how it's shot and the pacing and quite honestly like there's certain scenes where that pacing works great there's a scene with the uh wife and the person sitting on the couch and that's that's all i'll say but you know what i'm talking about because sure it's, it's one of the three times something happens in this movie but just, <laughs> <laughs> just the fact that like just having the camera just sit there and then he's asking her questions and she's answering them and the camera's just locked in on her and then you know takes about what five ten minutes and then Eventually the camera goes over and she goes over sits next to him and then something happens and it's just, it it just kind of makes it more uncomfortable than it would be otherwise. So like in that, in that context, this type of filmmaking works wonderfully. There's another scene where she's outside like near a Creek or something. Right. And the camera's locked in and another thing happens and you know what I'm talking about and I don't have to get into it. And I really can't spoil it because as I said, there's the three main things that happen that, you know, one, two, three, the, those are it. The the beginning, of those two scenes. And those scenes work really good because it's almost like the Henneke's right. Uh, the cash. camera one. Cache. Yeah, cash. Yeah, Cache. Yeah. Cachet, yeah. The, I mean the cameras uh, th- that kind of works for ca- cash because the the whole idea is that there are cameras, security cameras locked into place, and this isn't that. But when you have the camera kind of focus on someone for such a long time, it kind of it kind of almost creates an intimacy and you kind of start putting your own storytelling brain into it when nothing's happening. And which is, uh, I mean, that could be be a good thing. It is, it is. And, but you have to be ready for that. And if you're not ready for that, then this is like watching paint dry. Yeah. I just, I just wasn't ready for it last night when I saw it. But, uh, (laughs) but at the same time, I also think that it's kind of uh, the same problem I have with stuff like Wandavision, where it's like, okay, we just watched 22 minutes and you gave me about a minute and a half of story. So how do you explain another 20 and a half minutes? It, it, this movie kind of has that. It's like about five, 10 minutes of story, but it's two hours long. Well, I will say something. Okay, now the main character is
0: Jana. She's the the wife. She wanted to be an actress and she's caught up in this marriage where her husband's a Jehovah's Witness. He's a preacher and she supports him. She actually helps with him with... Sort of the side stuff where she's helping actually people through baptism, young kids. So one can one can sense that maybe she, even if she's not as fervent in in this religion, she's supportive of her husband. The only problem is there's a par- part where Eric Holmes talked about this domestic situation that goes on for a bunch of minutes with that with that camera still locked in, and she she feels like, like, I'm paraphrasing, she feels like she is existing in a world that is. Sort of passing her by, that she's that no one is. She's basically a ghost, a, a non-entity. And what's interesting is the movie. It's lo- as, as much as the camera's locked in. It's locked in on her, so you get to see an up close and personal vision of what Yana is going through. She's and her main support is her son, who's probably a preteen, and she babies him. She mothers him a lot. It's just an interesting story because though Eric Holmes says, "Yeah, there's." Th- maybe three things that really pivotal events that happen happens where the director takes yana's journey where where it ends up at the end where where it finally goes blew me away it it infuriated me in a sense it surprised me there's a person who comes back that eric was talking about the person on the couch with her the person who was talking on the couch with her he comes back later and there's there's some kind of interpretive situation with him, it's really interpretive cinema where the viewer becomes sort of a co-writer and co-filmer, co filmmaker like you were saying, Eric. And that's why I really love beginning. At the end of this movie, I was really pissed off at the ending. I thought about it for the next 10, 15 minutes. I started interpreting it my own way. And I ended up really enjoying and actually loving beginning. That said, I I do agree with you, Eric, that this movie... Is is really it's just an acquired taste, right? I, I don't know, Eric. Do you, would what how what kind of how would you say to people when you like when they ask you should I see Beginning? Is this a recommend for you or um, is it a caveat recommend?
2: If you really really like the first thirty minutes of a ghost story, this movie is right up your alley. <laughs> if you hated the first thirty minutes of a Ghost Story, this is not. That, that this is the whole movie it, it, it's just it's just a pacing thing and it's a filmmaking thing you either you are either in the right headspace to watch that some sort of uh, movie or you're not and at the time I was watching it I was not in that headspace but as you were saying apparently you were in the right headspace oh, for it so it, so it worked so it worked for you and it's it's just really and again it, this is not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination it's just the particular style they use it's either for you or it's not, or maybe it's for you sometimes and not other times, just depending on your mood when you're watching it.
0: Remember a couple of weeks ago, we we reviewed the movie, Some Kind of Heaven, the documentary mm-hmm. executive produced by Darren Aronofsky. This film beginning, it's as executive produced by this filmmaker named Carlos Regadas. Carlos Regadas. I don't know if any of you guys know this. The reason why Carlos Regadas is very interesting. One of my most amazing Uh, sublime cinematic experiences was a movie he did in 2012 called Post Tenebrous Lux. It is disturbing. Okay, you've seen it, Bruce? Yes. Yeah, okay. Should Eric Holmes see Post Tenebrous Lux? Maybe, yes. That's
1: more surreal, though, and more that's super experimental
0: yeah so yes 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 so he's an executive producer on beginning yeah i wish you actually were was it was had the time to see it bruce because i would love to hear to see what you think of this movie you might i i don't know i don't know which way where <laughs> i you could go, go either way on this one it, i'm kind of curious too yeah it, yeah I mean, and and eric Holmes to help you make to help you maybe one day check out post tenebrous lux like bruce was saying it's experimental filmmaking but I remember one time I years ago five years ago, Anderson, I was at his uh then house and he, he's only shown me once one scene from his big TV at the time, and it was the opening shot opening yeah. post tenebrous Lux. so Anderson post? Cowan. Yes. Yeah, post tenebrous lux is one of those
1: movies that even if you hate it, there's gonna be at least one scene that'll blow you away. The rest yeah. of it you might hate but you'll look at one scene will be like wow there might be more than one scene but it's it's definitely interesting and
2: this movie had three of them so that's Mm -hmm. more than one
0: okay yeah and and again i i was a wow person for beginning again this this comes i think eric has the best review of this get in get in the right headspace for beginning and maybe
2: you might like it maybe you might hate it who knows but again yes here's a suggestion put this movie on give it about 15 minutes and then if you're not feeling it, bail. But at least then you'll know what it you'll kind of know what to expect. And then maybe it's like, you know, I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of in the mood now to watch the rest of that. And then you can go back to it and then watch it, watch the rest of it. Because it doesn't it doesn't take any hard lefts or anything like that to the point of like where it, you know, it it, it doesn't all, all of a sudden become an Adam Sandler comedy, you know. It, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it maintains its tone throughout. But if you're like 15 minutes in and you're not feeling it, just put it aside. Don't toss it. Don't toss it. Just put it aside. We'll save that for later. And then maybe when you're feeling more reflective mode, be like, you know what? Maybe I'll put beginnings in. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of feeling it right now. I think I'm feeling it right now. Let's put it in and see how I'm feeling about it now. And then maybe yeah. you'll love it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, so beginning it. Yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, I, I love beginning. I can't wait till one day Eric Holmes sees Post Tenebrous Lux. Who knows? Maybe, you know what? Maybe we'll do a Find Your Film episode just devoted to Post Tenebrous Lux. Oh my gosh, Ooh, that movie. Yeah. That movie really pushed the buttons. It actually beginning pushed push a lot of my buttons as well. It opens. It actually streams on MUBI, that streaming service MUBI. And it's opening in the U.S. actually on January 29th. Okay. And you can check out more information via Mubi. I've never done MUBI, M-U-B-I, ever. So this is my first. They do they do a lot of stuff. Like Maya Darren. they used to have a, a retrospective on her. So maybe that streaming service might be something that I, I definitely want to look into down the road, especially if they're handling all these new films like Beginning. Our third main feature is a movie that I completely missed a boat on. And I, that's because I'm an idiot. This is a movie called Psycho Gorman. And I am going to just... I'm going to disappear from the fray right now, and I'm just going to let Bruce Perky anchor, Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes anchor Psycho Gorman.
1: Okay, so, so well, we're taking a hard left from what I didn't watch the last movie, but they sound like there couldn't be more opposite from each other from what I'm hearing.
2: <laughs> They're damn near the same movie. <laughs>
1: So Psycho Gorman uh, came across my brain about a week and a half ago, a trailer came out, I don't usually watch trailers. I checked out the trailer, I said, okay, I I need to watch this movie. It's considered 2020, but it really isn't dropping until I think it's video on demand now. And I think it's going to drop onto Shudder in March, I believe, but it's a Shudder co-production.
3: Back. Come on! Jeff, what the hell are you doing? Oh. Oh.
0: You dare stand against oh. me with such a weak excuse for a weapon? No, I didn't. She did.
2: Asshole! Oh. Don't hurt my parents.
3: That's an order. Um, mom, dad, I watched you to meet my newest pal, Psycho Gorman, or PG for short.
2: I don't care what his name is. You need to call the police.
0: Are you kidding me? What's a cop going to do against this thing? Is he going to kill us? No way.
1: PG's a big softie. He wouldn't hurt anybody. Right, buddy?
2: My entire existence is built on death and destruction. I will kill you both.
3: No, 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 no you won't. PG's just being a goof. He's family now. Don't worry. Be worried. When I'm free of your daughter's control, I will bathe in your blood.
2: Ah, PG, you're such a whack job.
1: <laughs> and it is directed by Steven Kostansky, if I'm saying his name correctly. I knew him from an earlier movie called The Void. And if you've ever seen The Void, it's a slow budget very Carpenter-esque, a lot of practical effects, kind of a little bit Cthulhu-y kind of stuff going on. And it's just a lot of fun. Low, it's a fun, low-budget movie with a lot of great effects. This movie, well, it's going to take a lot of describing on this, but <laughs> the basic concept is this. You've got a two young kids. Mimi is kind of the really bratty, annoying little sister. And Luke is the kind of mild-mannered older brother. And it starts out with them playing what they called um, Crazy Ball. If I, remember if I remember correctly, they play this game called Crazy Ball. And they made up their own rules. It's really complicated. When something goes a certain way in that, then the other person has to do what the other person says. And she says, if I win, you got to dig your own grave. That's, that's the beginning of the movie. <laughs> that's fun. That is sick. Older and brother twisted. loses. He's digging his own grave. They dig up this strange artifact. They find it. And lo and behold, Psycho Gorman, um, multidimensional demon that wants to destroy the universe is is unleashed. And the stone that they have, that they found, or the little amulet that was like, I guess, trapping him in this thing um, is now in Mimi's hands. So now Mimi has control over Psycho Gorman, almost like a pet. Now, before I go any further, this is a very goofy movie. It's a very silly movie. It's also, I think... A very funny movie, and you could describe this in a, <laughs> you could describe this in a lot of ways. Uh, the ways I would describe it, and I want to hear what Eric describes it as. I would say it's almost like Saturday morning TV, HR Puffin stuff meets mm. Guar, meets Power Rangers, and it's just full of inventive creatures and effects. And it, it to me, it's just a hell of a lot of fun. And last thing I'll say, and then Eric can jump in. You know how Stranger Things really, really leaned heavily into all of these 80s iconic things. So it would have them dressed up as Ghostbusters. It would have them do all these things to say, look, look, we're in the 80s. We're in the 80s. This feels like something from the early 90s, maybe late 80s, but it doesn't throw in a bunch of, you know, member berries. It just makes something like that and lets it be its own thing. Mm.
2: And that I really appreciate about this. Anyway, Eric, what do you think? I would say this movie's a lot like uh, Little Monsters with Howie Mandel, but instead of Howie Mandel, it's the darkness from Legend. Yeah. So, so you got these cute little kids, and actually, mm-hmm. to be honest, the little girl is kind of a sociopath. She's a straight up yes. murderer. <laughs> but, but the yeah, the monster that they uh the monster that they come across isn't like a misunderstood, oh gee, I'm so scary, but people don't know what a great guy I am. He's like <laughs> I've I will kill you. <laughs> I have bathed in the blood of a thousand memories yeah. <laughs> that have been screaming for ages here. When, yes. Wherever the hell he does. But yeah, this and this movie's hilarious, but not in like cuz you think a movie called Psycho Gore you think it oh, it's so so bad it's good. No. This movie is mm-hmm. so good it's good. <laughs> and uh it yes. it's actually like the the writing's really really smart. The scenes that they have where they they play with certain tropes and not like uh haha, we're poking fun at ourselves but like uh <laughs> okay the dad well first of all the dad's probably one of the greatest
1: characters yeah, in this don't movie. say
3: too
2: much about the dad let people discover the dad but i fucking love it but, the dad. but, oh, but wow. uh okay I, I i can do this without really giving anything away so psycho gorman's having a conversation with the uh with the son in his dream and they have a conversation about whatever they're having the conversation about, and uh, Psycho Gorman's really creeping them out. And he's like, "The son's like, okay, so now what? Oh, now you just finish your dream." And then they just sit there for a minute, like, "Well, that just happened." Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But they, they they have a bunch of stuff like that where they just kind of like uh, nor you know in a normal movie that's end of the scene you move on to the next thing, but it's almost. I don't want to say they're aware that they're in a movie because that would be like Deadpool, and it's not like that. But the filmmakers, like this movie, is confident as hell. Like the yeah. the filmmakers making this know exactly what they're doing all the way through this, and I think that's it. it definitely confident, hilarious, and uh, it's it's gross, but it you know is uh, I, I showed uh, I showed my nephew, and he just thought it was funny. Like even yeah. even the even yeah. the cause the bloody parts are like bloody, but they're like guar blood. You know, if, if you watch it, it yeah. there's a difference between watching a guar show and uh watching say the house that Jack built. Those are those are two different types of violence. So one's kinda like, Oh no, kids don't need to watch this, it's a little too real. And then there's like the guar type violence where yeah, it's they're not going to take it seriously. They they know that's that it's... I mean, <laughs> one of the characters turns into a giant brain and just kind of... Yes. <laughs>
1: kind of Love that. <laughs> I feel so, so bad. You know, get, so I was going to say, like, I showed it to my 12-year-old and my 16-year-old. My 12-year-old gave it 5 stars. My 16-year-old gave it 4.9 stars <laughs> because he has to be <laughs> a contrarian. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> um, but I want to say, I mean, like, so I love, there's another scene in here where this is a Gygax council, which is like this council of like weird creature elders or whatever that are out to get, you know, psycho Gorman. And that's one of the funniest scenes I've seen in a movie in forever. I mean, we were laughing heartily at that scene, but to me, a great sign that this is, I mean, like we talked about before. You have to be in the mood for this kind of movie, too. Right. This you have to like this kind of goofy, weird, over the top comedy. But I think there's it's better. Like like Eric said, it's better than just so bad. It's good. It's good. And to me, the test of that is after it was done multiple times, I would think back about a scene and go, oh, I love that scene. Oh, wait, I love that scene. Oh, I love what was happening in that scene. There are so many moments like this that's so much rewatchability. And there's so many funny, sly moments in the, in the dialogue and just the scenes. I'll give one more little example. The kids, when they go to sleep at night, they're in separate rooms, right? So to talk to each other, they knock on the walls. And it's literally just like two knocks, And they have the subtitles of what they're saying to each other with the knocks, which is impossible. There's no way they're saying that with the (laughs) knocks that they're doing. And that alone, is so fun. I mean, literally, he knocks like this, like, and I'll just do it on that microphone. He knocks like that. And then the the subtitle says, no, grandma's burning in hell right now. Or something Something like that will come up on the screen. You're like, what? (laughs) So just little stuff like that. And then once again, we talked about the creature effects are so fun. They're goofy. They're not ultra realistic, but they're so creative. I mean, he has like five characters come come and face him at one point, and each of those characters alone is is fun and interesting enough to have a whole story around it. In fact, I know if you haven't looked, they are coming out with some action figures for Psycho Gorman. Whoa,
0: I'm in line for that right now. <laughs> yeah, so, Eric,
2: are you gonna Are you in line as well with Bruce? I am, and also uh, the. This movie has so many great lines. In fact, uh, this movie now and forever ruined knock knock jokes for me, because <laughs> anytime someone says knock knock, in fact, Bruce start a knock knock joke. <laughs> knock knock. Have you succumbed to madness already? <laughs> <laughs> Do it still go? I don't know. Don't say watch Psycho Gorman, asshole, and then move on. Oh, so okay, so I I'm
0: missing out. I definitely i feel so bad this is a movie that we could have all done interviews for like you guys could have would have probably loved doing interviews right
2: yeah oh hold on oh i didn't mention the the credit the credits credits are great the the song that's playing at the credits yes and i'm not going to give it away but there's a thing that they say at the very last the the last lyric of the song (laughs) just comes out of nowhere i'm like that doesn't oh yeah okay (laughs) there's two songs they have a fake
1: metal version and they have a fake hip-hop version yeah it's it's
2: the it's the one that sounds like t-u-r-t-l-e power but it's psycho (laughs) gourmands and there's one last thing i wanted to mention
1: so i've read read a couple things about the directors of this movie and they did done a lot of different things but i guess he was super inspired because when he was a little kid he watched you know t2 and he loved the idea that this big evil or this scary thing was the kid's friend and helper and that was kind of one of his big inspirations for this and all the idea of T2. And he said he always like imagined the bad guys in all of these Saturday morning cartoons, but instead the bad guys would be like the kid's like helper and friend. So I thought that was a, a great idea that kind of led to this in the first place. Although we must mention Mimi is a terrible, terrible kid. Terrible.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, she she's a straight up murderer, um, or potential <laughs> murderer. Uh definitely a sociopath for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. That, I, wow. uh, to your point, yeah. Her character's and she, the the actress that played her. She's fucking great. Like the. the I have to. The, you know what? I
0: actually have to see. You know what? I'm going to see this after we are done taping. I'm going to see. You D too. Yeah, I I feel so bad again. Running horrible joke. Can we re, Can we take a time travel? Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky. Can we time travel back to December 16th, offering interviews for Psycho Gorman and screening links because. December sixteenth, I just opened that email when Bruce Perky told me about the film last Friday, so <laughs> which I just told
1: Greg, oh yeah, tonight, me and the kids are gonna rent this movie and watch it." And he was like, "Oh, last remember? Saturday, yeah, we just yeah. yeah
0: last not even Friday last Saturday, Eric, yeah, 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 we were already going hey? spend
1: we were gonna spend money on it. I was like, we we were gonna have a whole night. the kids and I were just gonna spend money on it. and he's like, I'll get the screener and I was like, oh, okay, cool. But you I'm should, ready to watch you, it either way. So
2: you should email him anyway and say, uh, "Can you uh, send us another contestant for a game of nonsense?"
0: <laughs> oh man, this is I, I'm so I'm so uh, remiss that we should have done interviews for this movie. This sounds really really cool. The action figures we're gonna have to actually purchase these action figures as well. I'm sure I'm gonna love this as well. So that is Psycho Gorman. It's on demand and on digital. See this movie. High recommend for both you guys. Yeah, one, it might 100%. already be on my top
1: twenty-five of the year. It may already be there. I'm just saying. Wow,
2: Eric. So can you say maybe top twenty-five this year? Maybe. It much t- like, much like Uncle Peckerhead, this is the movie to beat so far. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. That. Wow. Huge, huge words for for uh, Eric
0: Holmes and uh, and then Bruce Berkey. Okay. So that is on demand on digital Psycho Gorman. Check it out. Laugh your bleeping. A-S-S off. Yeah, I, I, I'm weird about swearing. Okay, so that's it. Before we get to the, rec- I'm going to start off with the recommendations, okay? My one and only recommendation this week is this movie called Savage State. It's 148 minutes. That was a big, that was strike two. <laughs> any movie for me, as, we, as Bruce and Eric knows, any movie that is over 90 minutes, I'm usually two strikes in. Forget it. But this is 148 minutes and I was thinking, how am I going to survive a western that's 148 minutes. Excellent movie, excellent. And it's it's I've, I'm a western guy. I don't know, Eric, Bruce, are you guys yeah. huge western fan? Okay, so you're medium. I would say Eric Holmes, you're slightly more than Bruce Perky. You, you'll watch your share of westerns, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got to be in the mood, but uh, I'm mostly in the mood for it. There's rarely a time where I'm not like you know push a western off. Okay, one of the things that I love about it is
0: it the plot line is definitely not your average West, Western. Here it is, quote The American Civil War breaks out, a family of French colonists settled in Missouri decides to go back to France. Edmund, Madeline, and their three daughters have to cross the whole country to reach New York. They are led by the mysterious and dangerous mercenary known as Victor. So Victor, played by Kevin Jansen's, he is the sort of archetype, the man with no name, the silent, mysterious mercenary who looks like the kind of the big stud who's leading this group, this French family from their home to Missouri to New York. It's in a way a road movie, but it's the it's the way it's like civil war. There's, there's not a lot of cities, so it's a lot of open terrain. It is beautifully shot. I, and our buddy, Anderson Cowan talks about how he doesn't like films shot in snow I don't know why he does that. I do. You guys? Is it me? I love movies that are shot in snow. Bruce, Eric, do you? Yeah, I'm down for those. I yeah. am biasedly for movies that are shot in snow. The right? thing, Wind River, yeah. Fargo, yeah, yeah, yes. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you. This movie has some beautiful vistas of shots of snow, and this movie was shot on an indie budget. This is a this is a French film. Okay, has spoken in English some French titles and it's it's a foreign movie that's a western and it's weird it's 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 really interesting and it also plays with a trope that I'm not going to mention and it subverts it and I really love I really loved how it subverted that that trope which really annoys me as a western lover again written and directed by David Peralt, stars Alice Izaz Izaz Kevin Jansen's Deborah Francois, Kate Moran. Kate Moran, I just recently interviewed, she plays the antagonist in Savage State. She is the woman who is actually in love with the mercenary Victor and she and a band of men. And they are, they are all draped in hoods, not white hoods, just brown hoods. They are, they are, I don't know why they, they don't, they don't really explain. Maybe I think they're from New Orleans or something. They have their mystical, but that's not really explained, but she's trying to hunt down Victor and unfortunately, this French family, they're caught in the crossfire. It is a very, very interesting movie. I hope a lot of people get to see it stateside. It's coming out on digital, on demand, Friday, January 29th via Samuel Goldwyn Films. If you are a fan of Westerns, especially Westerns with beautiful vistas and immersive storytelling, this one high marks for me. I'm a huge Western fan. And this one, real- oh, there's a section where they're their stagecoach gets caught up in the mountains and they and it's caught high in the mountains. And the girls, they have to actually go to the side of the stagecoach and get to the other side. And there's that drop. If they fall off the mountain, they're dead. That is an amazing sequence. And I don't know how they did it. There are some really memorable moments of, in Savage State. If I had the time... I would, well, it's on demand and digital. I'll probably actually even purchase it when it hits Blu-ray. I really, really love, I hope it hits Blu-ray. Savage State. Okay. On demand, on digital, January 29th. Now we are done with my recommendation. Eric Holmes,
2: you have a lot of recommendations. Do you want to start off with uh, your big first one? Yeah, I'll I'll start with the one that I I teased last week. This one's written by Kemp Powers, who wrote the Pixar movie Soul and co-directed the movie Soul. And directed by Regina King. Uh, let's see who we got starring here. We got uh, Kingsley Ben-Adir as Malcolm X. Eli Gorey as Cassius Clay. Aldous Hodge as Jim Brown. And Leslie Odom Jr. is Sam Cooke. And this movie is called One Night in Miami. And it is fucking fantastic. M- me and uh, my brother watched this after the uh, Chiefs game a week ago. <laughs> and uh, They had, a, they had a, a trailer for it. They were like, this has Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, and Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown, and directed by Regina King. Well, f- we're watching this right now. So as soon as the game was over and they came on, we're like, bam, we put it on. And uh, I guess it's a historical, uh, historical kind of. I kind of want to call it a farce because this is not biopic. Because imagine. It's, the yeah the so the four the four historical figures were apparently in a hotel at this point. Who knows what they were talking about. This is kind of if you were a fly on a wall, this might have been what they were talking about, or let's bring these ideas, and here's four different people had four different points of view on what it's like to be black in America. How do they? where do they agree? Where do they disagree? You know, where, where do they argue? So on and so forth. And it's, it's basically just a talking, you know, people talking, arguing, which I like, which is why I like courtroom dramas, people with different points of view, you know, going at the same concepts and topics. And this was, this was written very well. Uh, All the characters definitely had a, a unique point of view that made sense with, what we know of the you know malcolm x sounded like malcolm x jim brown sounded like jim brown sam cook sounded like sam cook and i believe i could be wrong i think leslie odom jr because there was some parts where sam cook was singing it didn't sound like a recording it sounded like he was like really singing he's is great <laughs> it, it's always it's always good when you can get a singer or an actor they can sing even if they're not as good as the original okay. like uh uh, walk the line is a good example. Joaquin Phoenix, you know, it doesn't sound exactly like Johnny Cash. Not that Johnny Cash is the greatest singer on the planet. He's you know kind of yeah. okay. He stays on his line, but it's always nice when the when the uh, actor can at least carry a tune because it, it kind of draws you in more as opposed to you know if you use a recording, it's like ah eh, yeah it, it it takes you out. But uh, this Leslie Odom Jr. guy, pretty sure he was actually singing, and if he was. Did a great job. Eli Goree is Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali. Hands down, the best Muhammad Ali. Really? <laughs> like, Okay. That's saying a lot. I, 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 my brother Steve was torn on this because he loves the movie Ali. I mean, Michael Mann's awesome. And Will Smith is awesome. And him as Muhammad Ali was awesome. But dude this guy fucking nailed it he, he he like brought in his his kind of uh dickheaded you know he, he like a dickhead but like a funny dickhead like yeah it, everything that came out of his mouth he had like this cr- kind of swagger to him he was like really mm-hmm. funny and and like even though will smith was funny in ali that movie was like uh oh it's a it's a drama i'm drama muhammad ali and i'll say quippy things once a while dude eli Goree was hilarious in this movie oh very cool and and just the, the, you know, it's basically just them talking. You know, sometimes they talk about funny stuff. Sometimes they get real serious. Sometimes they're kind of just all agreeing with each other. Sometimes they're button heads on everything. Yeah, it was it was just a really thoughtful movie. It, it, you know, I don't think it's going to change the world. But it's, it's, it's a good kind of fly on the wall kind of scenario. And I really enjoyed it. And I'll definitely watch this again. And... Regina King, obviously, I love her. Just every time she pops up in movies, they're just like, will you be my friend? And then I imagine they're saying, (laughs) no, go away. (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't make me stop hoping. Yeah, I was like really excited to see her. This isn't her directorial debut because I think she did a a documentary and a bunch of TV prior to this. Sure. but uh, as a uh, full length uh, narrative feature, you know, it, it, if you want to call this her first movie, nailed it as far as I'm concerned. I was thoroughly enjoyed and uh, can't wait to go watch it again.
0: You know, I, I the reason why I've actually been avoiding One Night in Miami is the idea of I'm not a big fan of famous people meeting in a certain confined space and time. I, there's a couple movies like that that I haven't gotten. Is that something that I should just get rid of because once. You know, that's just that's just the superficial part of it. Right, Eric, because it's really a well done movie as far well, as the dialogue goes. I,
2: I, see, I think the reason they have the four famous people, other than the fact that they were apparently in a hotel, is that these are four people with completely different personalities in real life. And so it, it, it's, it's a perfect it's a perfect way to bring those four different points of view and have them clash on certain concepts and ideas and thoughts. Oh, very I, cool. You know, if it was a uh, if it was uh, all of InSync getting together in a hotel room, they'd probably be like, "Hey, InSync is <laughs> awesome. Yes, it is <laughs> great.
3: <laughs> <Watch this movie? laughs>
2: I love that movie. We agree on everything, guys." No, they like these four people. Like they their personalities lend themselves; their differing personalities lend themselves to a story like this, where they can have these conversations and arguments and so on and so forth. It literally could have been for just random people having this conversation at a coffee shop but since we already have a preconceived notion on who malcolm x is who muhammad ali is who jim brown is who sam cook is it gives a shorthand so they don't have to they don't have to do the legwork bringing us up to speed on who these characters are we already know who these characters are now let's see them you know kind of have a battle of wits, so to speak
0: okay that sounds very cool one that's something that you might watch one one these days right bruce <laughs> Yeah it's, yeah, it's been on my list. I just didn't quite get to it this week, but it's 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 up there. Okay, One Night in Miami, High Marks from Eric Holmes, directed by Regina King. It's currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Cool, very cool. Bruce Perky, what you got? Yes.
1: Before I go to my thing, I was going to mention Amazon Prime's been kind of killing it for some of that. Uh, it's got that. It's got Small Axe, the whole series. It's got what, Sylvie's Love they just put out recently. Yeah, that's so good. It's got a lot of good stuff, so I would just say uh, don't don't sleep on on some of the originals coming out of Amazon Prime right now. Okay, my actual suggestion here. So my uh, Shutter pick of the week. <laughs> Shutter, get on Bruce Berkey. Also available on video on demand, and once again, this proves my point about Shutter being sometimes horror and sometimes very original, daring stuff. This movie is called The Wolf House. It came out. I think officially gets considered 2018, but most people have not had access to it till late last year, early this year, because it's just, it's just too obscure and small. This is probably the most difficult movie as far as this. I would definitely not recommend to everybody, but if you like really, really imaginative and interesting experimental animation, especially if you like things like the brothers Quay or Kay, however you say them, or Jan Svankmajer any of that kind of stuff, definitely I think you should check this out. Even if you don't like that kind of stuff, this might be interesting to you. Now here's the basic concept. I think Eric might have seen this too, so he can kind of just chime in on this at some point. It's the basic story seems pretty simple. It's Maria has left this colony. There's a colony in Chile, uh, in Chile, and she's left the colony. She's gone to a place called the Wolf House. Uh, she's gone and with these two pigs that she is basically freed from the colony. And then there is a kind of a disembodied voice that will come in throughout the the narrative that is the voice of the wolf. It's kind of ominous, it's kind of creepy, it's also kind of a narrator. So a little bit of all those things happen. But the hardest thing to describe is the way the animation is presented. So you have to imagine like say it's a real room. So you're filming a real room and you know how stop motion is, it makes objects move, right? But instead of that, you're going to watch the room get painted in stop motion. So like the walls may go from wood to painted white, then painted black, and then a face will appear on the wall. And then the face will move across the wall as the camera slowly rotates. So what they're doing is they're having to unpaint or paint over the part that it was in before and paint the new part to make the actual face animate across the wall. And then that face may actually now come out three-dimensionally into the room and become a paper paper mache clay person all of a sudden in the room. And then that will start to animate as well as the stuff behind it. As well as the objects in the room. This is a monumental feat of animation. And it is, for me, mind-blowing. And this movie is Whoa. is is amazing. And you could watch the whole movie and say, this is this weird dark. Fairy tale, or it's this weird, surrealistic, you know, creepy thing that's happening, and kind of just take it as that. But it's not. It's actually based in reality, which makes this movie even creepier and even scarier and really, really dark (laughs) because it's based on this actual colony. The concept of this is kind of somewhat based on this actual colony that was in central Chile, founded by ex Nazis of Germans. In Chile, and tons of really dark shit happened there, and it's all informing this dark fairy tale that you see in this animated feature. It's it's to me this is a masterpiece. It's
2: amazing, what, masterpiece. Eric Holmes, yep. concur. I could, I could sign on that. I I would even go to because I I saw this as like a Three Little Pigs in the context of World War II with Nazis. It's almost like they took us a, a fairy tale you know, and then. And then just added this dark element to it and then infused it with <laughs> I, I like Bruce, I, I don't even know how you describe the uh, I don't even know how you describe the animation. It's like a full length uh, tool video, but like it's it actually has a story to it. It's got that kind of creepiness to it. But then like the, the I'm guessing they shot they shot in an actual room, didn't they? But like, I, like they use a room and like did chalk drawings, erased it, you know, took a picture, yeah. erased it, did another chalk drawing, took a picture, erased it, like how you do, how you do. But then the camera moves too. And yeah. then the chalk drawings come out into these paper mache things, not claymation, paper mache. <laughs> and these are also,
1: these are full size. You would look at this. If you look at this a still, you might think it's the size of like a dollhouse. It's not. So there's, a, there's this one point where there's this kid's like, head and it's like bigger than a desk and it's an actual desk you know i'm talking about right eric and then it's like pushing the desk around and the sound design on this is really really strange and evocative and there'll be things like for example they'll have scenes that are stop motion animated by candlelight and throughout the and because it's it's happening over time the candles will like shrink down and then pop back up and shrink down and pop back up because obviously you have to keep putting new candles in there and as they're animating it, the candles are going down. And then all of a sudden new candles pop up. And then they start using those candles as part of the scenery as it progresses. And they put sound effects to kind of match the the, the melting and the reappearing of the candles. And that's just like one aspect of the scenery, which might have plates that have broken but are being reassembled. I, I, you can't describe it. It's, if you're down for this, it's very experimental. So it's not for everyone for sure. But if you're down for it, it will blow you away.
2: Well, that, this movie also goes a lot deeper than than the yes. uh, amazing animation, which it absolutely has. The, the yes. animation just it will just blow you away. If nothing else, even if you don't like the style of the animation, just the amount of work that went yeah. into this is astounding. But. The story is like I said, it's, it's similar to three little pigs, but it kind of adds a little uh, Nazi Germany in there or I guess in this uh, Nazis in Colombia. but like then they have like a, they oh dude they have like little kind of like hints and like when they uh, draw the window, you know the the square with the the cross you know the cross in it like the typical how, how a two-year-old would draw a window think that, but they don't just bring the window up, they draw the window. But then as they draw it, it like comes out as like a swastika that forms into a window. Yep. And it's not, it's not like right there out in front of you, but it's in the background enough to know that, oh shit, okay, hold on. Did I see that? I think I saw that. And then and then there's a bunch of that there's always stuff going on in the background to kind of inform the story and the mood that they're that they're trying to evoke with the, this movie and I think this is one that, like, uh, like if, if you're a fan of, uh, well, we talked about Maya Darren or David mm-hmm. Lynch. Like, if you're a David Lynch fan that likes to figure out his weirder movies, this is right. This is so far up your alley. It's not even funny.
0: Yep. All right. So that is The Wolf House. Wow. High recommendation. A masterpiece, Bruce Perky said. And Eric Holmes co-signs it. So it's currently streaming on Shutter. So check it out. Eric Holmes, what is your next pick? Your final pick? this week
2: all right well uh, let's see suppose disappointing old eric will talk about a movie uh, directed and written by emerald Fennell, starring carrie mulligan called promising young woman not disappointing old woman promising young woman. <laughs> this is uh carrie mulligan's character she just goes out i, th- I think uh, a couple of people may have seen this by now or yeah. at least know the premise but uh she goes out and she gets uh she didn't get drunk, but she goes out to like bars and pretends she's drunk, you know, drinking apple juice or whatever. And she just kind of, you know, messes up her makeup and she just kind of sits there by herself and just kind of plays a part of drunk, you know. And then eventually someone will come up and hit on her. Hey, hey, you look pretty. You look pretty wasted. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be driving day. Hey, why, why, why don't I give you want to give you a ride? To, why don't i do not give you a ride home. I, I'm a nice guy. Let me, like, no, you you shouldn't drive. Like, I, I'm leaving anyway. I'll just give you a ride home. She's like, I don't think that's a good idea. It's like, no, no, you, you shouldn't be here. And then they get in the car and they go. It's like, you know, my house is right here. You want to swing by? It's like, oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I just want to go. I can't and she's all drunk. And then they get to the house. And then the uh, guy starts, uh, you know, starts taking her clothes off she's like no stop no stop it's like no no it's cool it's cool starts kissing her starts taking her clothes no stop these, these scenes are very uncomfortable by the way <laughs> it's like dude dude she's fucking stop stop I'm watching a rape happen right in front of me and and uh, just eventually she's like I said stop and then they stop and they're like you're not drunk no what the fuck are you doing <laughs> And so, right there, she just has them caught with her pants down, quite literally and figuratively. And so, that's kind of the that's kind of the uh, thrust of this movie. And it's uh, it's it's a really good one. It's definitely entertaining. Says a lot about kind of and you know. I always hated the term rape culture, but I mean you know uh, it, it's it's definitely a definitely a thing. Um, especially, uh, uh, this is not a political podcast. I'll just stop there. But, uh, but it's not, this is not a men, bad women, good movie because it, you know, she's not the bad version of this or not even the bad version, a different version of this movie is. Oh, you tried to rape me! Now I'm going to kill you because it 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 plays like a revenge movie, and it is a revenge movie. But she's not out for blood; she's out to embarrass people. She's out to get you know you know I'm not the only one of me out here like this. So go and try to do this to another woman. See, you know some women aren't as nice as me. I heard there's a woman that goes around with scissors, and then she looks down at his dick. He's like. You want to you try this again to someone else? It's like, no, I don't think I do. So it's, it's not so much that she's out to, you did wrong. I'm going to kill you. It's, dude, we're here. You're not the nice guy you think you are. You're in this position because you're a shithead. Now think about that and change that. And for some people, it works. Other people, they just get pit- you know. Most of them, they just get pissed off. There's a particularly great scene with Alfred Molina because he shows up like about halfway through, and uh, I won't give that away. But there's a oh, did that scene with Alfred Molina just gave me chills. And even Carrie Mulligan's character, she's not perfect either. You know she she has her kind of that things that she she does. It's not. I'm not going to say as bad as rape. I don't think, you know, she didn't quite go there. But, you know, she goes a little overboard sometimes. And this, uh, yeah, this movie delves into all sorts of nooks and crannies of this kind of concept. And, yeah, this is a fantastic movie. And the ending is, the ending is fantastic. The ending in the you, you want to talk sticks the landing. This movie sticks the landing and then plants a flag on the landing. <laughs> nice. Oh, very cool. So
0: promise. It. So that is a strong recommend for you, Eric. Yeah. For promise. You, you paid for this on digital. Is that how you
2: got it? Yeah. Avail- I think I rented it on YouTube, as I do with everything, <laughs> even the shutter releases, which I have shutter, but for some reason I pay for it on YouTube anyway. Okay. So that's
0: promising young woman available now via Digital, strong recommendations from Eric Holmes. Bruce Perky, what's in the box? What's going on with what's in the box for? Yes,
3: Peter R- what's yes. In the box?
1: That's right. This week's what's in the box was a ghost story, which I have seen before, but I thought it was worth seeing again because it's a great movie and also because it hasn't been talked about at all in this podcast. And there's probably some people who haven't watched it. It was re- suggested by Matthew, oh boy, I don't know if I say his name right. Matthew Picardat, 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 I can't say it. The ghost story is available on Netflix, so easy to watch. It's, I didn't write down the exact time. It's only about 90 something minutes. It's not super long. 2017, directed by David Lowry. Pete's Dragon, probably one of the most well known, other than this movie movies by him and he's got the most anticipated movie for me from last year which still hasn't been released yet and that was the green knight which is going to be an a24 release which i am very interested in coming out hopefully i think it's supposed to it's been rescheduled i think for the spring so
0: he also did the old man and the gun which i haven't seen yet with robert redford which i haven't either and i've heard i've
1: heard it's good i haven't heard the things that i've heard about the ghost story yeah okay thumbs up from there. it's good
0: Okay. Thumbs up.
1: So um, this is a pretty simple one. And probably a lot of people have seen stuff about this movie if they haven't watched it. And I and this is one of those movies that doesn't sound good on paper. The description doesn't sound good. And it's almost impossible to convince somebody if they don't think they want to watch this movie how good this movie is. Basic concept, you got Casey Affleck and you've got Rooney Mara. And the beginning of the movie is... These two are a couple, kind of, you know, early 30s, probably. I don't know how old they are, maybe almost 40. They're, they're pretty young still, though. But And they're um, kind of living the hipster life, small house in the sort of in the country. You get a couple of scenes of their lives together, you know, laying in bed, making music. They hear a sound. One night they're almost asleep and there's a sound like a piano makes a sound. They go out and investigate it, don't see anything. The next morning, there's a shot from outside the house again. The car has crashed and Casey Affleck is dead his character. Next shot is the morgue. She's looking at the body or the morgue or the, you know, whatever, the hospital. She's looking at his body. She leaves. And then shortly after you see him standing in the hallway as a ghost, a very traditional ghost with a sheet over his head and two eye holes. And that is the vision you see of him pretty much for the rest of the movie. And once again, going to Eric's Discussion earlier of was it beginnings? I'm sorry if I get the name of the beginning. Yes, beginning, beginning. There's a lot of scenes, especially in the first 30 minutes of him standing, watching life occur, now that he's not alive anymore. And there's a sense of kind of sadness and a sense of longing and a sense of loss and all this kind of stuff you'd expect as her life starts to continue on. And for that first 30 minutes, you're like, oh boy, the whole movie is this. I don't know if I can stick with this for 90 minutes, but it does a lot of different things and becomes a pretty transcendent movie. And it deals with time and it deals with loss, obviously. It deals with mortality. It deals with what it means. I mean, this is like, It sounds like, you know, (laughs) it's platitudes, right? You know, just talking about all these big problems, big ideas, but it really is about all those things. I don't even know how to describe it to people. This is an amazing movie and it's a beautiful movie and it's mesmerizing. It's, it works to me a lot of ways, like the tree of life works. If you like the tree of life, I think this plays in similar, in similar thematics, but this one does it in a little more engaging way, I think. For most people. I think most people would be more people would be engaged by this than
0: Tree of Life, although I do like both. Does it hit you a different way with the recent rewatch? Did you take something Um, different?
1: Yes, because definitely the first time you watch it, there will be surprise. There is a lot of surprise in the second half of this movie. Have you watched this movie too, Greg? Yeah. Yeah, I figured out the second half of this movie has big surprises, and there's a lot of things dealing with time, and that's about all I'll say that surprise you. So I think there's a lot of invention in that second half for the first viewing that will catch you off guard. But when you're watching it the second time, you can focus a little more on the craft and a little more on the, the detail. There's a ton of detail put into the entire movie clues you can see. And when you watch it the second time, you see all those clues are there Mm. and you can really kind of focus you can let your eye focus on what you want to focus on, and still it still hits you though. I think with the same emotion. It does for, for me at least.
0: Eric, so this movie I was looking on IMDb tens all across the board ones tens. ones all across the board as well. Oh. Uh, I, I saw a review. It says I did I I give this movie a one because it's a terrible movie. So. I'm- I got.
2: I got to wonder of how because, like we talked with beginnings, the first first thirty minutes or so of a ghost story is them just in a room, just laying next to each other for eight minutes, and then they cut to outside and you get to see her uh, name, drag the trash out for sixteen minutes, and then you get to see him inside again, just standing in a room for half hour, <laughs> then they cut to another scene of someone standing, looking stoic for about three days. and so there's a lot like a lot of uh uh-huh okay what what, what's the point but for me this movie really started like because i i watched this in the theater the first time i saw it in the theater Mm. i was about to get up and leave until the part where the uh casey affleck's dead and he sees other ghosts and this this scene kind of caps to me encapsulates the entire movie like the whole theme of the movie and what it's about is uh, what are you doing? And they talk in subtitles because they, they don't actually talk. It's just subtitle when they cut back and forth. But it's uh, something along the lines of, what are you doing? I'm waiting for someone. Who? Uh, it's been so long, I can't remember. That's that's what this movie is. It, it's imagine, imagine everyone you know and love And then there's so much like, you know, uh, you live past them. So, I mean, Casey Affleck's dead, but he's living on as a ghost. He lives so much past them and he wants to find he knows he wants to find that little note that she puts in the wall, which, by the way, she puts in the wall and paints. And there's a scene where you literally watch paint dry. (laughs) But it it doesn't matter because the the whole thing is he wants to know what's in that note. But then so much time passes and then the thing happens It comes back around and he doesn't, you know, so much time passes. Everyone that he knew, everyone that he loves is just in his memory. They're gone. Like he does, doesn't remember them. I don't even think he remembers why he wants to find that note. He just knows he has to. Probably instinctual at that point. But like the, this movie just gets so profound. I don't know about you guys, but when I left the theater, um, this, this is one of the few movies I'm glad I saw by myself because I was just, yeah. just dead-ass quiet for like an hour. And then I, I I walked to the nickel, and I just sat there, and they're like, are you okay? I'm like, I just saw the most profound movie of my entire life. I don't know what to say right now. And the, the some of the shots are
1: so beautiful. I yeah. mean, and I don't think better work has been done with draping of cloth since the Renaissance. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's like incredible.
2: <laughs> I, yeah. I had a, I, I don't even know if we should, talk about this the uh letter Mm -hmm. do you have any do you have any theory i mean it's been out for a while maybe we can talk about it but like do you have any theories of what was on that well they've asked about it you know
1: and i mean i don't want to say but there's this i think is a more fun road to go down than the end of lost in translation Whisper. I think, and I would just say, if you watch this movie, investigate the theories about what she wrote on the note. I have a
2: guess, and it's pretty dark.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, there's. I've heard what she said that it might be, but i, I We don't want to talk because I don't want to. I don't want to give away whether okay. we find out. Yeah, what can, we find can
2: out. we can we come back and do a quick spoiler because I, I do want to sure. I do want to get into this. Well, it, I, after we're done, and then we'll okay. stop, and then and then do this because I, I do okay. want to get into this a little bit. I think it'll be fun. Okay, All right. very cool. All right. So that is, oh yeah. So we'll do the
0: spoiler after we're done with the show. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Very cool. Okay. So that is a ghost story. Thank you. Matthew J. Picard. I believe that is. Yes. You're okay. So thank you so much for your recommendation of a ghost story. It's a very profound movie. And Bruce Perky is going, checking what's in the box. What's in the box. <laughs> uh,
2: what's in the box. Not taking, give me the what's
3: back. in the fucking
0: box. <laughs> thank you. uh, Good job, sir. Good job. (laughs) Very, very good. All right. Oh. (laughs) Bruce is picking his next selection for what's in the box. This is by our friend Andrew Martin. Oh, Andrew Martin from Andrew Watches Movies. We love Andrew Martin. A movie by David Cronenberg that I
1: haven't seen for probably at least 30 years. I'm really excited to watch this movie again.
0: The Brood. The Brood. I was Mm. thinking I've never seen The Brood. Thank you, Andrew Martin, for The Brood. The Brood
1: yeah again. some of the best work by karen black if i remember correctly okay Especially so that into
0: that movie i i might have you seen the Brood, Eric Holmes. it's been a while
1: this oh, will be
2: this will be a good this will be a good uh excuse to go back to some old cronenberg for sure yeah Without
0: david cronenberg nice guy to interview as well so that is uh, also if you if you want to bruce burke if how, how can people reach you if they want to have any movie recommendations for what's in the box
1: facebook bruceperky at gmail.com is a very easy way to get a hold of me but you can always get us on facebook either through cinematics or just look up bruce perky on facebook and you could just message me directly as well it's easy uh, i just got another suggestion by the person who's suggested uh, company of wolves and i'm going to add that to the box today as well
0: okay very cool a lot of selections for bruce perky's what's in the box we love that seg- that segment for Find your film. We'll be back next week for another week of movie recommendations. And of course, we're going to do a double feature next week and with next week with a director spotlight on Jacques Tourneur, the director of Night of the Demon slash Curse of the Demon and Out of the Past. So excited for that. Anything you guys want to say before we get out of here?
2: I love you all, especially you. <laughs>
0: Psycho core man. <laughs> Enough said, guys. We'll see you next week.